Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions I feel. Dusty, when I never have to ask you again about Justin Verlander winning in the World Series. Thank you. <laughs> Whacking that thing around. Satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? You know, for the believers out there, thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, there were some doubters out there after the last game, but but uh, I knew our group would, would respond with a real good effort, and uh, we did that tonight. Do you think they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? Just stay out of my way. You'll pay. Listen to what I say. How about I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and lay by the bay. I just may. What do you say? I'm not here to compare anyone's atrocities or tragic events that their families have dealt with generations of time. I'm just here to continue to expose things that our world continues to put in darkness. I'm a light. I'm a beacon of light. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. The Raiders are a fun two and seven team. Um, we, after the game, Derek Carr through tears talked about how hard it is for him and some of his teammates to play and everything they go through also said to sleep at night, uh, to be on the field on Sundays. Um, and then he said, he wishes everybody in the room felt that, felt way. that way and did those things yesterday. I asked you, do you think he was talking about Darren Waller? Um, Vinny Bonsignor of the Review Journal, he wrote a story yesterday, uh, and in that he said, sources have indicated that frustration is growing among the club regarding star tight end Darren Waller, who has been sidelined for all but eight plays over the past five games with a hamstring injury. Was Derek Carr talking about Darren Waller? I think more and more that uh, you were correct, and that's who exactly who he was talking about. I, I believe that. Uh, was he talking about other people? Probably. I mean, I'm tr- Probably, but I think Darren... Probably was a main person in that group of. It's like you pointed out yesterday. That was the most curious part of the entire quote breakdown, whatever you want to call what he did. Was twice he said, "Put our bodies through." Yeah, like he said it in two different sentences. So when you went back and read that, like a second or third time, as you said, you're like, "That's interesting." Like, is he saying that people don't put their bodies through the same thing, take the same thing, so they can sleep at night? Like you said. Um, so then your mind goes to, okay, so who hasn't been playing? Quick side note, we didn't touch on this yesterday. Is it concerning that Derek Carr is saying that they're going through a lot just to sleep at night? I think that's normal. You think, think for so? an NFL player? I think, I think they, you just think about the collisions these guys take and how much pain that they're in. I, I was watching, I, I, the Kelseys have a podcast that they do every week, which I think is genius. And Jason asked Travis, so when when does the pain start hitting you? And, and he's like, is it 24 hours or whatever? And Travis is like, literally the tunnel as I'm walking off, because that's when the adrenaline wears off. I can't imagine what these guys go through day to day just to like feel okay. Like you got to be shooting up with so much stuff. So... Back on the Darren Waller side of this, obviously we're not doctors or know exactly what Darren no. Waller no or is really suffering is. from or what's his, what's going on there. To me, and I know Derek Carr didn't call him out by name, but if if this is actually about Darren Waller, if Derek Carr is up there saying so many guys on this team are putting their bodies through so much to be on the field to sleep at night, and then he finishes that off with "I wish everybody in the room felt the same way," that seems incredibly unfair from Derek Carr. 
to say about Darren Waller unless he knows that Darren Waller is perfectly healthy right. and can play. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that just seems I don't, it's like to me that would come off incredibly poorly if I was Darren Waller. Now, Devontae Adams said something similar. He didn't mention the whole putting your bodies the on the line. He mm-hmm. talked about buying in and all that stuff. But I, I wonder if there is a group of players in the locker room that are looking at Darren Waller that way. Like, are there, is there a group of players that are like, hey, you got your contract, dude. Like, you're right. supposed to be one of the guys that's right. helping us win, and you're not on the field. And that just feels incredibly unfair to Darren Waller if that's the case. If there's a group of players, or if it's just one, that's looking at Darren Waller and saying, hey, man, what, why aren't you doing that? Again, Maybe Waller is perfectly fine, and everybody knows it, and he's just milking it. I guess that's possible, but it just seems incredibly unfair to him for Derek Carr to kind of call him out or for multiple players to even think that, that he's milking this injury when how do you actually know what Darren Waller's dealing with? Well, you're not in his body. Right. And you can't tell if it is a bad hamstring. You can't tell how much it hurts to run. And I guess do you want him out there if he's not 100% anyway? And, and that's the thing. Like, if he has a bad hamstring... Do you want him out there running routes? I don't I don't think he can do his job. No. I think it's more about perception, though, too, because, like, there's this internal pressure that you feel as an athlete that if you're hurt... Like, I remember when I would get my concussions and that there wasn't, like, a cast for me to show and feel like, yeah, I'm out for a reason. Right. Like, this is what it is. And you just feel awful that you're not there for your team and you're you're doing everything you possibly can and you just have like this this guilt that sets in you and if I I feel like if there isn't like a team perception that he has that or has that kind of hunger to do whatever it takes like I said we're not in there we're not sure what his rehab process is but if that's the way it's being perceived on the team then that's the truth because perception is reality did a teammate break down and call you out no, 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 no. It, that's that's <laughs> it's it's a really toxic thing to be totally honest because you should be focused yeah. on healing and 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 taking right. that time that you need. But there are cases and and athletes where you you can see like I remember the Vikings Xavier Rhodes every time he got he got torched on a long route he would pull up lame and then he'd like limp off to the sidelines and he'd be fine two plays later. You know, there's just there's some people that can play that a little bit more. And I don't think Darren Waller's that guy. I mean, the way that he's been presented to us, it doesn't seem that way. But I'm also if if I'm him and I'm seeing how bad this team is, maybe I'm not rushing as fast as I either. need, oh, you know, no, no, and, and with exactly. longevity and stuff like that too. But at the same time, like Derek Carr's on a much different timeline than Darren Waller is right now in terms of what is my reality going to look like a year from now. If I'm Darren Waller, the team is two and six and is playing the Colts. Yeah. If I'm not a hundred percent, I'm not playing no. in that game either. No. And that's like, the way it should be. Like, that's not happening. But, like, and now they're two and seven. Oh, my season might I be just, over if I'm there. I'm showing up with I, crutches and be like, oh, guys, it got worse. Well, I just think you're correct in that if he's not 100%, given the position he plays and what he's supposed to do, I don't know why you'd want him out there. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Because he can prove he's as tough as you, and then he's out there and you're going to get mad because he can't run routes because he can't do what he's right. supposed to do? I mean, in all seriousness, Darren Waller plays and uh, makes it through the first quarter and then his hamstring gets worse. Right. And he's done for the rest of the game. Like, and probably a year. Does he have more credibility with his teammates? Yeah, is he tougher now? He tried, but yeah. he still couldn't play. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. It in seems... that weird league, though, with the with the weirdness of being tough and violent and all that. 100%. I'd probably say you're right. I'd you probably go... say that, oh, hey, you know what, though? He showed up for us. Like, I could see them saying that, even, you know, he blows the hamstring out 
after court, it's like, yeah, but he tried. He put his body right. through what we put our bodies through. Well, especially if he's like there and actually practicing and going through things and they're seeing like, oh, he can cut a little bit. He can go. You're not going full 100% because who is during practice during the week? But but if you see him making progress and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there might be an outside chance. And it's just like, nope, he's out still. It's just it has to be very jarring for these guys, especially ones did. that are playing through like broken right. fingers, soreness, like all these. Uh, there's so many different ailments. There's no and guy that's healthy. Before they put him on IR, he did, I think it was two or three straight weeks do a workout before the game on the field. Yeah. Right. He was so... He's progressing. He's almost there. exactly. Almost there. And I was like, oh, he's on IR. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. Exactly. He was the the questionable game time decision type player. Two to three weeks. Right. And all of a sudden you can't go at all. The the other uh, key for Darren Waller, and this goes to the whole toxic part of injuries in the NHL or NFL, Mm -hmm. Darren Waller finally got his contract. The a big reason why so many players think they have to play through an injury is because in the NFL you don't have a guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. A lot right. of them don't. Timing and, is sus for sure. And generally speaking, if you're not one of the best players on the team, you're replaceable. Well, he's and actually losing money, also. Waller is. Yeah, I read. I read performances. That no, um, being active. I'll look it up. But it was oh, a, he had bonuses for being bonuses active. for being active. At one point, it was seventy five thousand. Now I don't know if that changes once you're put on IR because that's the team right. making the decision right. to put you on IR. But well, he did lose some money. Well, like Waller, you know, he's got his contract and some guaranteed money. But if you're uh, Foster Moreau, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like you basically have to play through anything that you can still yeah. walk or run through because Foster and he's Burrow's been hurt actually. Replaced. And there's yeah. playing through and then there's playing well while playing through. Yeah. So it's almost yeah. like it's a, it's a double negative t- then as well. Well, the Raiders aren't worried about playing well now. <laughs> All the, the guys that are tra- playing for contracts or for their jobs, like you're just saying, certainly do. It's, it's just a bizarre scenario to be in. And then, okay, so we have Devontae Adams talk about not, not everybody's bought in for all 60 minutes or whatever cars out here talking about what guys are putting their bodies through and not everybody's doing that yesterday. When Josh McDaniels talked to the media again, he got asked about those comments and he said, I don't have any issues with the effort of the players. Is that concerning that you have Adams and Carr, basically the two biggest names, the two biggest voices on the team are one way or another calling out teammates for not being bought in or not pushing through enough. And the coaches, meanwhile, is like, I haven't noticed anything. Well, no, only because we knew exactly what the coach would say. So you, so when he I don't says that... I don't think he'd do what Carr and Adams ever did. I think they're using the wrong term because I, th- I think there's being bought in and then there's being locked in. Like, you can be bought into the message, bought into the practice, all, all the things that you're supposed to do, but when you get to the execution point, which is another thing that they've been harping on for weeks, like they're not getting it done in, in the biggest moments, like, that's a different learned skill and not everybody is on the sideline, like, looking straight ahead, completely focused on whatever the next play. They could be, like, joking around or maybe it's a little bit too lackadaisical or, or whatever. I think that's... I, it's more likely they're talking about that because I feel like everybody wants to win and wants to do the best for the staff, for the team, for whatever. Probably. I'd hope so. Right? I mean, the closest McDaniels ever came to talking about anything negative towards players is yesterday when he was asked there were healthy scratches. And he said, well, you know, sometimes you have to learn how to handle yourself internally and on, on the field and everything. Yeah. We, we assume he's talking about Clee Farrell because Clee Farrell was the one who seemingly was healthy. Right. Never on the list, and obviously he was scratched. Yeah. That's the closest I think he's ever come to saying anything about a player. Yeah, there's also, like, if you're a head coach and you get asked, hey, your quarterback or your wide receiver uh, insinuated that players aren't 
giving max effort or however you want to phrase it. Uh, do you see that too? If the head coach answers, well, yeah, we've had some effort issues. The very next question is who? Sure. And yeah. I, part of that's probably McDaniels avoiding having to say who, who, who it is. Right. Because if, if you have the quarterback receiver and coach all give some sort of quote about, ah, not everybody's given enough effort, then the old, pretty much the only question that should exist after that is, well, who? Right. And if they're not going to answer, you, you keep asking the same question yeah. over and over. You just start listing names and see how the And they're not going to answer. Right. So I think part of that might be the coach just, as a coach, you're trying to avoid throwing players right. under the bus right. for, ah, he you know didn't give enough effort. Uh, I did love seeing Raiders fans on Twitter after that McDaniels quote about uh, he doesn't see any issue with the effort, just tweeting the video of Matt Ryan's 39-yard run. <laughs> Yeah. And just being like, where's the effort on this? Play? The jogs. And that's where it is. Like, are you standing up a little bit early? Are, are you are you getting down in your stance and getting ready to go? Like, there's a timing to being locked in. And it doesn't seem like these players are, especially when they're getting down. I didn't notice this um, when the when Matt Ryan's run happened. But there was an opportunity for Matt Ryan to run out of bounds and avoid mm-hmm. being tackled. And like 90% of quarterbacks would have, hey, I've already run for 25 yards. I'll run right. out of bounds here. He cut back into the field yes. and kept going, and he got a, he and got an extra thirteen more. I think it was a Meek Robertson uh, finally chased him down from behind. But Ted Wynn tweeted that out, being like, "I spit out my coffee when I saw Matt Ryan cut back, cut back into the field to play because Matt Ryan thought he was going to score a touchdown. That was the longest sure. run of his career. Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. I, I don't by like a wa- large a combined. Margin. Yeah, there was a I, I can't remember who there was a defensive back who came across and Ryan could have run out of bounds, but instead he cut back and there was a blocker there, so the defensive back got pushed out. There was no other Raiders player. Yeah, in front of Matt right. Ryan. So he's they just looking at the, he's just looking he at the end zone. He genuinely thought, thought I'm, I'm running, running another thirty yards well. for a yeah. touchdown. Amik Robertson caught him, so from it behind. Wasn't. But Matt Ryan cut back because he thought against this defense. I'm about to have a 70-yard rushing touchdown. <laughs> like that thought went through Matt Ryan's head. I'm gonna have. Yeah, because when he looked up, there was no one in front of him. You've right. ever seen go down a field? Incredible. Just play. clomping. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. Dude, I'm not gonna cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's briefs. Dude, dude, dude. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's briefs. Dude. Bischoff's briefs. I guess you've got a point there. Coming up in about 20, 25 minutes, we will give away tickets to go see Pink when she comes to Las Vegas next year. Um, All right. I got a couple of a few random things for you in Bischoff's briefs today. Uh, the first one here, Ed, you got to let me know if this is a legitimate, um, is this a legitimate angle for UNLV and Dayton? This is a tweet from somebody named Thomas Rooney, who says in his Twitter bio, he's a Dayton alum. Here's what he said. Got the inside scoop. The B-ball team, referring to Dayton, the B-ball team has a communications exam this Friday. Boys are stressing out about it. Don't see them going to Vegas, playing UNLV at 11, and coming out on top. Oh, a communications exam. They're stressing about the communications exam. Big exam coming up for them on Friday. You got got time change. You're playing super late for these boys from Ohio. And they got a big exam three days from now. UNLV pulls the upset because of that big communications exam. 
That should be the lead to the story. It should be, yeah. Gonna have to go. They didn't really win last night. There's a communications exam back in Dayton. No, we Kevin Kruger in his post game press conference. Like shout out to Professor Smith back in Ohio. Had that exam scheduled at the right time. I will say this: as somebody who was a communications major, I don't think there was ever a communications exam I was stressed about. What? (laughs) For real? It's easy. Not even a literary analysis. Come on, it's easy. Rhetorical analysis didn't freak you out. All the exams, easy. Oh, and on all honesty, I don't even know how many communications exams I took. Normally, are <laughs> normally it was just projects. You had to like write a story or do a video story or something. Do you have a journalism emphasis? Yeah. Oh, okay. that's probably why. Right. This rhetoric stuff. Get out of here. I wrote about Mean Girls and making fetch happen, and how ling- linguistics is just about agreeing that like a chair is a chair. That's did you like, get an A on that? I did. Yeah. yeah it was so, good what time. did you major in? Communication. And with the journalism. No, no, I was gender studies and sociology minor. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. But there's never been a communications exam that anybody have to stress for, unless you're going to wherever the hell Lindsay went to school. It's very competitive. Yeah. Seen as so, in college. I like the <laughs> idea of this angle, and if UNLV wins tomorrow, we will absolutely be talking about this, um, but I don't believe it. I mean, they might have a communication exam, but I don't believe a basketball team is stressed about a communication exam three days later. Well, the boys are stressed. I don't believe it. What if they haven't gotten to class and the tutors haven't prepared them for it? They got three days. It's, it's like, not like it? the test is tomorrow. Finals are coming up. You not, bet, there's only so many opportunities to make sure that your grade stays afloat. Don't you have, don't, these teams have tutors. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it's again, on the road. If, if the test was tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But the, if the test is Friday, that means they're going to play tonight and they still have two whole days. To prepare for it, they're, they're not stressed about it. College students don't get stressed about things three days in advance. They barely know what's happening three days in the future. Professor said you have to you have one of these five writing prompts, and they're each like 15 pages long, and you have to use evidence from each one. That would stress me out. Would it? Yep. Okay. 100%. I also uh, would believe the tutors here, uh, they haven't even told these guys they have an exam on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> They'll tell them on the plane ride home? Right. They'll let them know after the game. Hey, Here's uh, your study guide. I think the biggest test. theory here is the 8 o'clock start. Time more zone the, change? More than the communications degree. Uh, I don't know this 100% for a fact, but generally it's the opposite way that has an effect. Usually for... East Coast teams that go West... Don't have a big problem. West Coast teams that go east do have a problem. Because you get to sleep in. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's, again, I don't know that for 100% fact, but I feel like that's it's the opposite that has an effect. When you're on the West Coast and you have to go east, you do teams do perform poorly, but east to west, it's generally not. It fine. will affect test day, though, because they'll have to readjust once they go <laughs> right, back. And right. so maybe they they're worried they, about they get, being late. In you they can't, can't sleep in then. Professor closes the door at 9 o'clock sharp. <laughs> you're out of luck if you miss it. All right. Uh, another random thing in Bischoff's brief today. This was a tweet from Ryan Konensberg. If the Broncos scored 18 points in every game they played oh, this season, they would be eight and one. Yeah. Saw that. 18. That's a bad NFL. If you scored 18 every game, you're a bad NFL offense. If they scored 18 in every game, they would be eight and one. Instead, they're not going to the playoffs. If just 18 a game and we'd be like, ah, oh, they're the Minnesota Vikings. But no, oh, dare you. the Broncos are bad. Uh, their PFF ranks defense is second in the league. Offense is 32nd, the worst <laughs> offense in the league. So would right now, would you rather be a Raiders fan or a Broncos fan? Oh, oh, <laughs> that's Raiders a consideration. Fan because I think they have a better chance at a draft pick. Yeah, there's hope. There's like, I think there's a better Wait, chance. Wait, you guys are going two different things. You're going with hope. He's going with. 
Well, she's saying there's hope pick. for a draft pick. Yes. Like, okay. your, your wagon is hitched to Russell Wilson for the foreseeable right. future. That's yeah. a like, big problem yeah. for the Broncos. And it's not just the bad play. It's the catchphrases that are going to get you, too, and just the overall persona. So the Broncos are hooked up to Russell Wilson for, I believe it's another two years until they could realistically get out of his contract. They'd still have to pay a lot. But they've it's them and Russell Wilson. But if we believe Mark Davis... The Raiders are hooked up to Josh McDaniels for at least 2023. Yeah. And we've got a lot of evidence that he's not very good at, at being a head coach. What a cradle. Neither one of these uh, are a good spot to be in. Who can improve more, though? I mean, isn't Russell Wilson who Russell Wilson is? Where we Raiders, because the Broncos don't have picks. Yeah. They just they reclaimed some picks. I'm fascinated that they have the second-rate defense and they got rid of Bradley Chubb. Right. Which I was is wild. differentiating between who can improve more, Russell Wilson or Josh McDaniels. Okay, to go back to the stat, 18 points a game and they're 8-1. and one. Russell Wilson can score 18 points a game, right? I would hope so, but it hasn't been I, happening. I feel like that's a realistic goal that Russell Wilson can hit as a right. quarterback. Are they going to let Hackett go, a game. do you think? Uh, you almost have to, right? Right. Well, because you're not getting rid of Russell and you're going to have to find something that works more. Because if, if this is the lowest bar and you can't even hit that, right. like it, it's it's untenable. Yeah. I think you have to let. Has Elway given him a vote of confidence? We're going to trust Elway to make the, make the calls because he's question. terrible at drafting <laughs> quarterbacks. But the more important point in this, my God, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, are you just looking around being like, we are never going to lose this division right. ever again? Like, the incompetence of the other three teams in the AFC West is unbelievable. Well, Chargers are just banged up and they and they don't like to punt. Prior to this year, incompetence. It's just the Chargers were good last year and didn't make the playoffs somehow. Right. Because they yeah, got they lost torched the by Rex Burkhead and the Houston Texans in week 15. And then we're like, ah, we'll lose an overtime game to the Raiders and not even go. Like the incompetence of these other three organizations. The Chiefs are look, the Chiefs are really good. They found their franchise quarterback. He's going to be probably one of the best that's ever played the game. We might be talking about the best that's ever played the game. But they've got zero competition around them. Right. We thought it was going to be a good division. We we're like, oh, oh before the best the season, division in the whole the league. Season, it was the best division in football, right? Yeah. But nope, just three teams of pure incompetence. <laughs> Meanwhile, like who's a good example? Like the Bills and Josh Allen, right? They found their franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. But they've had to deal with the Patriots. Granted, the end, but the Patriots were good at the beginning of Josh Allen's career. And now it looks like the Dolphins are going to be really good. And the Jets and are pretty I don't good too. believe in the Jets, but they've got a good record. They're respectable. Like, the Jets and the Dolphins are more competent this year than anything in the AFC West. Other than Kansas City. For like the last seven years. What? Just what a ride for the Chiefs. Just here we go. Oh, yeah, this division's going to be tougher. Kansas City might have some problems on their hand, and their biggest problem is DeAndre Carter catching passes from <laughs> broken ribs Justin Herbert. Like, that's what they have to worry about. It's unbelievable. I don't get it. All right, last thing in briefs. Colts beat the Raiders. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, took a lot of crap for hiring Jeff Saturday, deservedly. Uh, he tweeted out, all you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing, when we make moves to win, you act so righteous. Who you crapping? Just win, baby. <laughs> Who you crapping? Just win, baby. I don't. Yeah, he did say just win, baby. Oh, I don't know. Shot. I don't know what a lot Absolutely. of that tweet means, but he takes a shot at the Raiders at the end by saying yes, just win, shot. baby. Who I don't even know what crapping? who you crapping means. Like, that's not the word I would use for that. I'd be like, who are you Especially talking as an to? NFL owner. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, we know that Irsay gets up there in his emotions. Yes. So Jeff Saturday wins his first game. The Colts go to four, five, and one. Should Jim Irsay already be taking a victory lap? Or should he well, wait? Well, Jim Irsay. And, and you, you, you had their schedule yesterday, so you might as well take your lap now because they're about to lose six straight. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to take a <laughs> Vindicated lap. Vindicated for one week, right? one week exactly. only. Exactly. You get just yep. one baby for a week, and then when they go over the next six, we won't hear from them. But, like, if you do radio in Indianapolis and the Colts finish the year at, like, 5-11-1, you start the season, or you start your next radio show with who you crapping, Jim Irsay. <laughs> How did you hire <laughs> Jeff you Saturday? Crapping? Right? What is that? Like, that Jim, Jim Irsay is just asking to get Crapped on by people. Yeah, crapped It's a great t-shirt. Who you crapping. Yes, that's another t-shirt we've got. That's another one. That, that's better than store. any of your damn motivational things you've got. We've got exactly. a whole store got, We have a fashion line. Maybe yes. we'll, we'll put it down a runway next year. Who you crapping. Again, I don't even know what that means. Do we know what that means? Who no. you crapping? Sounds like the I mean, bowling who guy. You, who you dumping on? Yeah. I would just... There's so many different ways you can, you can go with that, but who do you think you are? I am. That's what yeah. it sounds like. All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan, before we get into uh, anything related to hockey, uh, I believe Lindsay is curious to know about your goats. Okay. Do you have goats, and do they jump a lot? Uh, yeah, they do. We we have currently six goats. We've got three boys, three girls. All three girls are pregnant at the moment. Oh, jeez. Um, should be expecting baby goats within the next, I don't know, three weeks or so, which which will be a new experience out here on the homestead. Oh, can I come uh, out? And- this is a petting opp- <laughs> petting zoo opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's great. Like my kid, right? My my son. Um, we kind of do like a fall festival for his birthday every year, and now we've got the petting zoo and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. And and to answer your your other question, do they jump a lot? Yeah, they do. They they like to headbutt each other constantly, uh, to the point where like oftentimes they'll they'll be dazed afterwards. So, uh, goats are are very interesting animals. Talk about the, like the coolest kid on the block. Like Jimmy's mom gives you ice cream. Come come over to Ryan's house. They've got petting zoos. Like she's lining up if I was a little kid. Uh, the the headbutting thing when I was at my mother's, like they get up on their hind legs and it is full force. He- like I yeah. what the first time you see it, I'm like, oh, are they going to kill each other? No, but, their skulls are yeah, very yeah. thick. They're very strong, apparently. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Ryan. My mother has a mini trampoline for her goats. Do you need to get one of those? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I, I kind of want to just build one into the ground, but uh, like, let's get through the birthing of the kids first, and then we'll <laughs> we'll go to yeah, trampolines for the goats. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a little rough. The uh, don't do what my mother did when she posted the birth of one of her cows on Facebook. Well, I'm not on Facebook very much, so okay. I don't think you have to worry about don't, that. Don't much. post it anywhere. Don't you? Don't <laughs> text it to me either, because I don't want to see that again. Oh, great! Now I know exactly what to do for you in <laughs> yeah. three weeks. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Uh, Appreciate that. Merry Christmas to me. Um, all right, I have a question for you <laughs> on the Golden Knights goaltending. 
Uh, the struggling Silver Knights, is the fact that they have been so bad this year, did that work out well for the Golden Knights and their ability to keep Laurent Brossois? Uh, I think it's, it's certainly an aspect of it, but I think that Laurent Brossois coming off of not really being healthy for over a year and, and getting in action and, and not really having his timing just yet, um, is another factor to it. Is you know the, the Silver Knights are not as strong defensively as you'd like them to be. They give up a lot, um, but you kind of want your goaltender in that in that spot to to shine. And you know, for a guy coming back off of injury, um, it, it's not exactly easy to do that. So I, I think that it's a combination of things. But fortunately for the Golden Knights, you do have an, an insurance policy still within your organization, Lorraine Brossois, and you can kind of continue to ride Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill until you see a need to change that up. Is the other night the first time had they won, you would have said they were lucky to win? Um, yeah, to a degree. I, I, their second period wasn't good. I think that we all kind of expected at some point during that game their legs were just going to go, and they certainly went in the second period. They weren't very sharp, yet they still almost came out of it with a lead. As, as much as we're going to highlight the mistake with Aiden Hill and Nick Haig, I thought Aiden Hill played really well in the second period, despite the, the miscue. Um, and then the push in the third, it, it, you know, you like to see it, but I, I just think that that was going to be one of those tough games to win and for the Golden Knights. Um, they were right there in it, as they have been in all three of their losses this year. Um, how many shorthanded goals will Riley Smith score this year? Uh, he, might, he might score like seven or eight like he's already got three this year right like uh we're at the, the just about the the quarter mark of the sense uh, of the of the season so yeah let's let's go let's go eight i say riley smith scores eight shorthanded goals this year how many how many teams are going to get eight shorthanded goals like three or four maybe maybe like you, you would you would obviously factor in the golden knights because that would mean that they'd have eight or more, but I, I don't know that there are going to be too many teams that are going to be pushing um, six or seven, let alone eight, nine, ten. So we'll, we'll see. Why? I mean, I always wondered this in terms of skill-wise on shorthanded, and you have to have some sort of skill, obviously, but why Why are those two so good at this? Like, why, why, I mean, so, it just keeps happening. So chemistry, I think, is important, right? You have to trust the player that you're out there with. You've got to know that, that they're going to be closing off the, the seams and the angles when they're supposed to. Um, and then you've got to, to kind of rely on your instincts in those moments. And I think one of the big things that Bruce Cassidy's been able to do with Riley and William Carlson, to be specific, is they're not coming over the board first to kill penalties. They're usually the second or even the third pair up front that Bruce Cassidy is using. So you either have a tired power play unit on the ice when those two come over for their shift, or you have the secondary power play unit, which on most teams is certainly not as strong or defensively responsible as your top unit would be. So in that aspect, I think that Bruce Cassidy is finding better matchups for them. And when they see an issue or they see a problem arise or a mistake happen, they're really quick to jump on that and go and transition the other way. All right. I know you posted this on Twitter. Are the Sharks and Golden Knights still a rivalry? No, it's not. It, it, it's not. Who is a rival for the Golden Knights, then, if it's not the Sharks right now? Do they have a rivalry? Uh, I don't think they do just yet. I think that it's kind of open and, and up in the air. I think if Seattle continues to be good and the Golden Knights, well, that's not entirely true because Seattle has Martin Jones, 
And for whatever reason, reason Dave Hackstall wants to play Martin Jones in Vegas, maybe he won't make that mistake again. I don't know. But, I mean, I think right now the argument would probably be for Los Angeles or perhaps Colorado. You don't see Colorado as much, but in terms of playoff history, those teams have that in spades, so, and they're both good hockey clubs. So I would say L.A., Colorado is probably the closest thing, but right now I don't feel like the Golden Knights really have that deep-seated hatred rivalry going with anybody the starts are just too bad they're just they're not good they haven't won it's 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 kind of fizzled out in my opinion is that reignited whatever five ten years down the road if both teams are good and meeting in the playoffs again like do we go back and say oh yeah remember when the golden knights first started this was the number one rival I mean, I think not a major is going to loom large for Golden Knights fans for a long, long time, and there's always going to be that tie to it. But when you think about the key players in that rivalry, right, Joe Pavelski, Pete DeBoer, uh, Gerard Gallant, Ryan Reeves, Evander Kane, like none of those players, none of those coaches are involved with either organization anymore. So um, I think, oh, and I forgot Cody Eakin. How could I do that? So, um, oh. yeah, I, I honestly don't don't think that it's ever going to, to reach kind of the, the level that it has. But, you know, 10 years down the road, if, if those two teams are the best teams in the Pacific and they're kind of taking each other out every other year in the playoffs, then maybe. We'll see. I don't know if it's still a small sample size, but are you surprised at two and three in the Pacific and kind of where somewhere like Calgary sits right now? Uh, yeah, Calgary is surprising to me. Um in that I thought they'd be a little bit more of a wagon, but it's taken some time for the new pieces to really fit what, what Daryl Sutter is, is trying to accomplish and trying to do. Um, I mean, I, I think that the Pacific Division is an interesting division in that I don't believe anyone had Vegas kind of jumping out to the start. I don't think anyone really thought Seattle was going to be kind of sticking around. And I, I think everyone expected Edmonton and L.A. and, and Calgary to kind of be right right among the top or, or the best team. So it's it's taking some time to shake itself out, but I still kind of think that when everything's said and done, you've got Vegas, you've got L.A., you've got Calgary, you've got Edmonton. I think those are going to be the four best teams in the Pacific when it's all over. The NHL likes to make things complicated with the whole overtime losses and their point system, but if you just went straight wins and losses, Vegas is 13-3, and the Kings are 10-8, and Seattle's 8-8, and Oilers are nine and seven. Flames are seven and eight. And if you look at goal differential, Vegas is plus twenty-two. The Kraken are plus seven. The Oilers are plus one. Everybody else is negative. Are they going <laughs> to coast to this division title? Um, I mean, it's certainly possible. Like you know, the other thing that exists is that the Edmonton Oilers might actually get a save, um, and then all of a sudden, those points that Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl is scoring will actually have an impact in the game. Um, when you've got two players that are, are on the cusp already of 30 points and they're like dangerously close to being a minus on the season, that, that's <laughs> telling for sure. Um, but yeah, I think the Golden Knights have banked a ton of points, right? And you've got a lot of teams that are starting to, that are still trying to sort themselves out, figure themselves out. Um, if they keep winning and if they're, and, and like they don't have to come close to the points percentage that they put up over the first 16 games of the season, even if they're playing at like a 600-point percentage pace, they're going to be relatively easily in the playoffs. But you can't dip too much. You can't have an extended losing streak. You've got to continue to do and build the right way in your game. And I think that's really the most important thing for the Golden Knights. is isn't whether they can coach. It's whether they can continue to grow and get better as a hockey club. 
All right. Um, more baby goats born or more Phil Kessel goals this year? Um, well, it's probably going to be Phil Kessel goals because, like, I don't think we're going to have more than three or four baby goats. So. Okay. You're only going to have maybe one with multiple kids in there? Yeah, maybe just one. Like, that's what it's looking like right now. Okay. Um, you're really down on this Phil Kessel thing, huh? Oh, he well, wants keep, him gone. I keep Lindsay he keeps arguing. He's been calling for his benching yeah. for a yeah. week and a half, and uh, Phil's responded with uh, two goals in two games. He's yeah, allowing yeah. him to get to a thousand on Thursday night, and then right. he wants him out. <laughs> right? Then you then you bench him for. Well, the he's an absolute is, anchor. The problem is I don't know who you bench so, him for. Is the issue here? So do you want you want to know my take on Phil Kessel and and a thousand games? Yes. Yes. My my take on it is this: get to a thousand games and then sit out the next one. Like, a nice round number is really what I'm after when it comes to owning a record. Um, so just the idea of Phil Kessel 1,000 consecutive games played, and then he's like, no, nah, I'm going to take the night off. I've earned it. I- I- I've been through enough. Uh, really sits well with me. And then you don't have a streak kind of looming over every single decision that you make as a head coach. Take the season off. That sounds good to me. He's Ryan Wallace oh, from the VGK Insider <laughs> Show. You can hear him on the pre-post and intermission tonight over on Fox Sports. Las Vegas. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. All right, thanks. Uh, So there's Ryan Wallace. uh, Baby Goat's coming in a few weeks. And we've got tickets to give away to go see Pink coming to Allegiant Stadium on Saturday, October 7th of 2023. Tickets don't go on sale until next Monday, but you can win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to win tickets to go see Pink right now, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 12. So the Raptors still lead by 11, 83-72. Wing near side. Flynn triple is good. Busted. You're locked in the press box. All right, we have Degenerate Danny in here. Um, Jared is taking notes on how many wins we think the Raiders end up with. Earlier in the show, Ed said he thinks they get to six, which would mean they finish the year four and four. Uh, I pegged them at five, which means they finished the year three and five. Very optimistic, by the way, from us. Yes. That's way better than what they've started at. Um, Lindsay and Danny are in here. Uh, We need both of yours. Uh, Danny, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go. They capped the season off with four wins. Four. Okay. So we're slowly getting worse here is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So four wins. I so mean, you have I, been winning two the rest of the way. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at their it's, schedule. It's right pretty now. tough. Yeah. Yeah. The Steelers are on there and, but the Steelers is a road game in cold weather. Oh yeah. yeah it's and the Christmas, Christmas Eve. Believe me. Be at. Yeah, believe <laughs> it's going to be there. I know, I know exactly what Christmas game that is. Pittsburgh yes. airport. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> the Steelers are on there. The Rams might not be any good. Especially Cooper they, Cup's out on, yeah, for a long time now. They yeah. play the Rams, uh, and they, they play the Broncos again. You need 19 points to guarantee a win against the Broncos. But again, in Denver, right, Cold it's, City. It's, but, you know, they're, they will win. I Maybe not, but they should win some of those games. I would say take the over on yeah. the field goal prop for that game. <laughs> Boy, three and a half. I bet you it's plus money. Chase McLaughlin. Lindsey? I'm gonna go five. All right, I'm gonna go five. good number. That's yes. right, Lindsay and I. Is this the first time we've agreed on something? Perhaps. All right, good, good talk, good Thanks. talk. All right, so six, five, and four are the three different numbers we've come up with. Nobody's optimistically. You initially did you bet on them to win eight? Yes, I did. 
To go over eight. No, to land on eight. Oh, when exactly eight. Yeah. Oh, you're still alive. Uh, no, you're still you there. You still got home. Oh, no. oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, this team is not winning six of their final Come nine on. games. Yeah, you're still there. Oh, no. The, that would be, no, no, that would be classic Raiders. Oh, no. Start the year two and seven. Everything's a nightmare, except you look ahead to, hey, we could get an early Bryce pick. Bryce Young. And then they blow it by winning six of their last eight. And they finish 8-9, and nine, they miss the playoffs, and pick 15th. Even if they were fully healthy and everything was clicking, I don't see six wins on this schedule. What if they fired their coach and hired somebody off ESPN? Then it's possible. <laughs> what if they fi- hired someone off ESPN Radio Las Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we're getting, we're for sure getting at least one win. Can the four of us Which in one of us is oh, it? studio? Yeah, the four I think of it's us, a combination of the us. The four, four of us will also go around town, find the best Madden player to figure out how to, I would, in how to call plays. Oh, if, if I randomly got hired like Jeff Saturday as an NFL coach, I would do what Danny just said. I would be bringing on somebody who's like the number three ranked Madden player in the world. That guy would be on my staff immediately. <laughs> I don't know what role I'm giving him yet, but he's on my staff. Maybe he's called plays. Yeah. yeah. Might be. I, I've to- I told you this before. There was a story. I can't remember what the story was even about, but they talked to one of the top ranked Madden players, and he was like, I play tens of thousands of NFL games a year through Madden. I've experienced every scenario a football game can possibly be in. NFL head coaches coach 17 a year. Right. They don't get nearly the same experience as somebody that plays Madden. It's genuinely a legitimate argument for why playing Madden can actually help you. Gives you more football knowledge than actually being an NFL head coach. Because you just experience clock situations so often that you get to maximize the right way to take your timeouts or go for it on fourth down. Hire Madden guys to be head coaches.